Hey now, hey now, hey now, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a brand new edition of Over the Line. I know you never get tired of hearing that. Welcome, this is your uh, Thursday edition, Jan- uh, what is this month, February 25th, 2021, uh, which means if you're watching this on the day it's published, tomorrow night, we got a uh, Over the Line live coming at you, so you don't want to miss that. I'm uh, doing it right here on YouTube. If you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel and all that stuff, make sure you do so and you hit the notifications so you know when we go live. Also, make sure you like and comment on our videos to get some of, uh, some of the momentum in the algorithm. The more people we have commenting and liking the videos, the better off we are. So make sure you do that. And also make sure... You check out Vaporforge out on 280. That address, if you need it, is it there right by uh, Bailey Brothers? I uh, don't know the address by heart, although I should. 4673 Highway 280 East in Birmingham. 205-874-9010. 874-9010. If you got any questions for them, hit them up. Proud sponsor of the show, and we are uh, proud to have them as part of the show. Uh, they do a lot for us, and we appreciate them. Okay. So let's get straight to it. Um, this episode is going to be a little dicey. And I mean that from the standpoint of we've got to figure out how to avoid the censorship of this video. Um, there are going to be some things that are shown throughout this episode that... Uh, will most likely get you pulled off of YouTube and, and all the other platforms, okay? But we're going to try it anyway, because I'm going under the, the frame of mind that as long as I don't say anything that goes against their bogus community standards or, or misinformation stuff, that maybe it won't count against me. But I guess if it's... I, anyway, we're just going to do it and see what happens. Who cares, right? Um... I had a a listener of the show send me a video this morning, and it's called PSYOP the Steel. Now, it's a lady who has put together a documentary about what happened on January 6th at the Capitol. Uh, Millie Weaver, that's who this is. Apparently, she's... Um, uh, big conservative on Twitter, if she's still on Twitter. I don't know if she is after this uh, after this this video. But it goes through, really frame by frame, and just the entire complex story of what happened on January 6th, what, what happened leading up to January 6th, and then what happened after. And this video is about an hour and a half long. And if you want the link, we'll put it in the uh, we'll put it in the about section or the description of this video, so you guys have it available. Um, I highly encourage you guys to watch it because I watched it today, and I I pulled a couple of clips that I feel like would best describe this video. And what I'm going to show you is going to be shocking. It's Shocking, to say the least. 
And when you watch the whole thing, you're going to be floored. So get ready for that. If you remember on January 6th, we talked about it on this show. And I also told, um, you know, friends and family the same thing as it was happening, as the Capitol was being stormed. I said, this ain't our guys. It's not our guys. Nothing about their tactics, nothing about their behavior, even down to the way they walk and talk. Nothing about these guys say that they're Trump people. I said that from the very first moment. And soon after that, the media started censoring people and shaming people that dared to say that that was not Trump supporters that stormed the Capitol. It happened across left and right media, TV, radio, whatever. Social media scrubbing it, YouTube scrubbing it. You couldn't talk about it. Couldn't talk about it. So I just took it for what it's worth. Said that's, you know, that's where I stand on it. I'm not buying it. There's no way that, at the very least, there's no way that most of those were Trump supporters. And then information started coming out. And as soon as it would come out, it would get scrubbed. So you really didn't have much time to deep dive into it until the internet was all working together to make sure none of this information was seen by anyone. That you couldn't post it on Facebook, you couldn't post it on Twitter, you couldn't post it on YouTube. We're taking down Parlor. There's just nowhere to find this. So I really appreciate this lady putting this documentary together. Um, but I stuck to my guns and I said, "This is there. I'm not going to believe it. Just like I'm not going to believe that Joe Biden got the most votes of any presidential candidate in history. I'm not going to believe it." And so the information slowly leaked out, and, and this chick right here has apparently held on to all that information and done some investigative journalism herself, which should be done by the media, but we know it's not going to be done, and put together an amazing video with the physical evidence of what's happened, the video evidence of what happened, how it happened, and why it happened. So this first clip I'm going to play is video footage of teleconferences or, or Zoom meetings, if you will, between numerous people who were lining up the event to blend in. And, and I'm just kind of chopping this down so I don't have to give you too many details. You can see all these details when you watch the full movie. Putting together the event where they can blend in with the crowd at the Million MAGA March or, you know, the Stop the Steal rally on January 6th. And talking about their tactics and everything else they're going to do and, and really the purpose of it. But what's shocking is there's so many aspects to this where it's almost as if they knew what was going to happen even outside of the people uh, that is, are directly involved with this. Down to knowing somehow what the election results would actually be and which states would be the states that are contested. It also goes into 
uh, members of the Republican Party being involved with these people to rid Trump from Washington, D.C. forever. I, I'll let you watch it. Now, I'll start and stop as we go, but this is absolutely fascinating stuff. So as soon as I watched it this morning, I said, man, this is this is it. <laughs> this is what everybody needs to see. So here we go. This is uh this is the first clip I'm going to show you. Again, they're talking about what they're going to be doing, putting together their plan for January 6th. These are anti-Trump people. These are Antifa people. These are leftist people with a sprinkling, a smattering of Republicans. Watch this. I'm Michael Yan. I am America's most experienced living war correspondent. Spent years in Iraq, Afghanistan, Philippines, and Nepal. Okay, I actually got the clips backwards. So here's what we're going to do. This is Michael Yan. As you heard him, he is um, an investigative journalist overseas on the battlefield. He's very experienced at what he does. What this guy does is he goes through the video footage that we have and also video footage that was recorded by those that planned this entire thing and shows you step by step who is who, who's doing what, why they're doing it. This is all action. This is all footage on January 6th when they're breaking into the Capitol. Watch this. Been to probably 500 major protests. Many are very violent, far more violent than, than this one. So I spend a lot of time going in, looking for cells, looking for uh, agent provocateurs. I call them say AP. I'm talking about agent provocateurs. And so I'm very familiar with them. I can tell them apart. I'm from Florida. Telling the difference between, you know, Antifa and MAGA people to me is like telling the difference between an alligator and a turtle. And so it's quite, quite simple. These obviously aren't MAGA people, despite the hat. This is the helmet hole man cell, right? This is when Ashley Babbitt, the Air Force veteran, uh, gets shot going through this window. This guy with the bear hat or whatever it is, uh, is working with this fellow here who is working with somebody else, hands him up a helmet. So now he's got his probably Kevlar helmet, smashes through. He's like a matador here. You know, the officer with a weapon comes out right here with a pistol. You can see he's aiming the pistol. And... The bull, which is Amy Babbitt, the Air Force veteran, she takes the bait, goes for the cape. Agent, this guy's a clear agent provocateur. He's clearing the way, and bang, she's shot and dead. It appears that Ashley Babbitt may have been micro-targeted, and notice these two gentlemen appear to push her through the window the moment she was shot. One covered his ears, and the other began to duck down prior to the shot, as if they anticipated the shot. Now, this guy immediately goes downstairs. The guy that made the hole with his helmet, he's going to go downstairs. There he is and change clothes. So he goes downstairs. This is typical agent provocateur activity, but he is incredibly good at it. And so there he is about to change. Now, just for some context, this agent provocateur that he's talking about are the people that planned this. And just to give you a summary of what this documentary is explaining is a large group of well-connected people put together a, a a coup attempt, a coup attempt, this is what they're going to call it, and you're going to see that in a little bit, pretending to be their enemy, so then their enemy could suffer the brunt of that damage. The main goal 
was to make this look, as the media made it look, a full-on attack by Trump supporters at the request of Donald Trump himself, thus giving us plenty of reason to make sure Donald Trump never sees any political office ever again and we can wipe him from society. That was the number one goal. Something we noticed later, uh, because we, we continue to look at these videos over and over, uh, this fellow, this is, this is Helmut Holman. He had three hats. He had a red MAGA hat, and he had that uh, you know, bear hat, whatever it was, and he was switching hats uh, and, and he, so he could instantly change his appearance. When he goes down the stairs, he puts that same helmet on that he was using to smash the window. And, and it was a perfect movie take for Antifa. This was exactly what a very skilled team of APs can do. Zachary Allen, a.k.a. the Helmet Hole Man, has now been arrested and criminally charged. All right, this is Lucky Charms cell. We call it Lucky Charms because this guy looks like the Irish dude on Lucky Charms uh, cereal. This is part of a cell. And another thing I want to point out, the look of these people. Just, you can look, if you've been keeping up with this stuff over the past four years, and you've watched U.S. cities be burnt to the ground by Antifa and Black Lives Matter, these people have a particular look. I'm not saying they all look the same, but they have a particular look, a particular vibe, okay? And Trump supporters do as well. But Trump supporters are more like, they kind of look like average people. The Lucky Charms guy that he's referencing here with the the red Amish-style beard, like, Trump supporters don't look like that. <laughs> these guys, it, it, and it's hard to explain, but these guys just, they just have a look. The, it's, it's a way that they look. It's a way that they walk. It's a way that they talk. These are characteristics that they all share. For instance, one of the things I noticed was when people were running up to the Capitol, it was almost a, a hopping type skipping very fast as they were running, which we saw that numerous times during Antifa riots. You start running, you start hopping, you throw a Molotov cocktail. Just watch this stuff closely and you'll, you'll see it. You'll recognize it from so many instances that we've seen in the past. These are clear, uh, clearly a, a team of APs, agent provocateurs. You'll see him actually welcome up another member of the cell. Okay, watch him waving people forward. Now there's another one that appears to be in the same cell. We call him Orange Gloves. He's got what appears to be a uh, walkie-talkie. Okay, here's Arch Lady. Now, this one's important. This is where I'm referencing the, the language and how these people talk. The way you can tell. And they use code words, particular code words, that are only used amongst the left to describe people or things or ideas on the right. Listen closely. Megaphone. Arch lady's got a megaphone. She's using Hong Kong tactics. Pass up masks. Yeah, you so they're passing out gas masks, okay? We are made to believe that there was just a bunch of angry Trump people 
who didn't really plan on doing anything until Trump gave them the orders on January 6th when he was making his speech. But you mean to tell me that they've got a large amount of gas mask on hand to hand out? Trump supporters don't use gas masks. We don't have to use gas masks because we don't do stupid stuff like this. You can hear her calling about, you know, save our Trumpy bear. As you know, that's a left wing call out. You are not going to take away our Trumpy bear. People should probably coordinate together if you're going to take this building. We should probably coordinate together if we're going to take this building. That sounds like... <laughs> It's, it sounds identical to somebody. It just just the way they speak. It's got woke written all over it. These people, you can spot them from a mile away. It's so obvious when you watch the footage and you look into it. And, and this is an aspect of it that really is irrelevant compared to the rest of this evidence. But just from a basic ground level point of view, you can look at them and tell. Where's my breast? Hey, tell me, tell me, tell me what you're doing. Just give me some, give me some narrative. Look for yourself. The APs here, they had taken down a barrier. They turned those sideways and they were using those as little ladders to get over a wall. And you can see some of the APs down there going, come forward, come forward. And they're helping people up over the wall. Oh, they had comms. They had, you know, radios. So I'm always watching for the radios, of course. Here's classic black box. He's got a radio. Uh, one mistake he's making is he's showing, he is showing some of his face and his hands. Now, let's talk about classes of Antifa for a moment. Some of the Antifa, if you hear me on interviews, uh, I might say that they're a bunch of meth-addled drug addicts, and that's your street-level uh, uh, Antifa certainly are like that. They're the purple-haired people that, you know, often have meth mouth and that sort of thing. The guys that hit here and the women who hit here, that's their A-team. That's their special forces of Antifa. However, if Proud Boy leadership is calling upon the Proud Boys to show up dressed as Antifa, then the whole situation starts to turn on its head. Proud Boys leader Enrique Taro, the one instructing the Proud Boys to show up in D.C. dressed as Antifa, turned out to be an FBI informant. A federal prosecutor. Okay, so now it's getting into the Proud Boys stuff, which I, I, I don't necessarily want to do, but um, you see how complex and how well-organized and what a well-oiled machine this is. Is they're walking around with their walkie-talkies, they're stationed at certain points, they're helping each other, they're communicating, they're doing everything they need to do in order to pull off some sort of big pre-planned mission, okay? Now again, if the narrative that the media has given us is 100% correct, there was no pre-planned mission. This was an attack by... Trump supporters who got angry and was just following the directions of the president that he gave them on January 6th. Remember, they heard, the FBI heard of plans to do something of the sort, and the president, Donald Trump, said, hey, we'll, we'll send... Uh, We'll send National Guard troops down there to protect everybody in, 
in the Capitol if we need to, and the, the D.C. mayor, Mariel Bowser, or whatever her name is, said, no, we don't want that. Well, why? Why do, why do you not want extra protection at the Capitol during this situation? Because according to the left, the left is constantly scared of Donald Trump and his supporters. Like, we're the most dangerous people on the planet, according to them. Why would you, in that moment, turn that down? Unless you knew it was pre-planned, and you wanted it to go forward and turn out the way it did. Could that possibly be a thing? But then you go back to the front end, the planning stages of this. You, you, you kind of got an idea of what happened on January 6th. But this was so well planned out. And one of the most, I'll give it to him. This is a genius plan that was not just put together by, as he called them, street-level Antifa. Antifa. This is put together by high-profile, powerful people. Funded by very rich high-profile, powerful people. Watch the planning stages of this thing and the people that are actually involved with it, what they are saying in the planning stages. Watch this. So let me get this straight. Hold on a second. We're talking over each other. We can't be doing that. All right. Here we go. Y'all ready now? like the Transition Integrity Project laid out four possible outcomes of the 2020 election. All four possible outcomes had one of the other candidates winning with neither candidate conceding. The model leaned towards how to secure a Biden win given any one of the four scenarios, all in the name of defending democracy. This same predictive model was used by leftist organizations to role play out the various scenarios through simulation exercises. I think we're gonna start uh, with our election simulation timeline to a meltdown today. Is everybody ready? We're gonna read out a brief scenario and then develop a plan based on that scenario. So the teams are based on, loosely based on, uh, you know, similar organizations in our real, real world. We have Liberty City Antifa. We have Capital Disruption. Lincoln Project senior advisor Michael Steele was a leading figure in the Transitional Integrity Project, the source of the predictive models used to war game out how to secure a Biden win. Now, keep that in mind. Michael Steele, who used to be the chairman of the uh, the Republican National Committee, he was the chairman. He has now moved over as this Republican that's trying to get his party back, and he's always on MSNBC or CNN or whatever, yucking it up with those in the media. But he's part of a group, the Lincoln Project, that is absolutely riddled with scandal right now, where one of their top guys has been caught trying to solicit sex from underage boys, okay? These are some sick, sick, nasty people. Another person involved in it is George Conway, which is the husband or 
soon-to-be ex-husband or something of Kellyanne Conway, which I never liked Kellyanne Conway for that reason because she was married to this guy, but whatever. That's another topic for another day. That's a portion of the Republicans that are involved in this, and you'll hear in a moment one of the Republicans talking about how they're doing this to rid the GOP of Trump forever. So what they're going to do is y'all do y'all's thing, y'all y'all storm the Capitol, and we're going to network and talk to our people in the media to make sure that they paint the correct picture when reporting on this stuff. Group number two, the Nixon Project. Your, your, the floor is yours. Our strategic point of intervention, because we are prominent Republicans, we are first going to approach the mainstream media and to also lean into our networks that we will use positions of corporate prominence to lock out all Republicans, including those on the Trump team from future corporate jobs, media interviews, etc. They practice with participants ranging from activist federal employees in senior executive services positions to protest agitators. Do you, do you see that? Did you see the people involved? Deep within our government, in our governmental agencies, they're involved with this. That's why the last four years turned out the way it did. Because people were so anti-Trump, they, that was their goal in life, was to get rid of him. We even had, and they may talk about this in the video, this is maybe where I saw it, but DNI Radcliffe was coming out on January 6th to explain that China, they're getting evidence that China had a major influence in the outcome of our election. But the people that were supposed to be overseeing that were so anti-Trump that they just let it go. They didn't worry about it. They were probably involved in it. But this runs deep, and this is where the deep state comes in. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's not a QAnon thing. The deep state is real. It's always been real. The, the only difference is in the past, everybody's been part of the deep state. Everybody. But you had a guy who's not part of it came in to shake things up and give power back to the people. And they had to stop him at all costs. Everything from choose democracy to hold the line, um, to shut down, uh, we count on us. I listed a few of those um, in the slides earlier, but you know they're the ones who are really in the vanguard of helping people think about, uh, interpret red lines, um, and think about different actions that can be taken well beyond kind of street protests and demonstrations. I'm gonna go in thinking Antifa is going to be in coalition but doing its thing and being on the radical end but part of the package making sure that we're naming what is happening as a coup totally agreed in the shutdown dc conversations that i've been having and that's not on the federal side we um also are often saying like, call it a coup it's a coup don't let anyone tell you it's not now, let's make sure all the major news outlets are calling this a coup they're, they're, they're contacting these mainstream media outlets and telling them to be ready because something's going down and here's what you need to call it. This is what the narrative is going to be. Now, you see so many times in the media these almost like trigger words that, well, not really trigger words, but they all use the same word. There'll be a, a one of the news anchors you'll notice is saying a word that you, you never 
heard him use in the past. Like, they called Donald Trump a grifter, right? Well, the next thing you know, everybody in the mainstream media is using that term. It happens time and time and time again. Pay attention and you'll notice it. It's because they're all reading off the same script. I don't care that they're from two different media companies. They're all running off the same script. They're all working together to produce the same narrative. And it's coming from places like this. Who hold immense power in those worlds. And they're able to dictate the narrative. And there's their exchange. Like what their reward for following that narrative is, hey, we're getting rid of Trump. All we need you to do is your part in making sure this narrative stays within this bubble. That's what they're talking about. From bureaucratic slowdown tactics to agent provocateur tactics, they were working together in unison towards a common goal, a Biden win regardless of any one of the four possible scenarios. We should be clear, like, it's got to go. Trump's got to go. Throughout the fall of 2020, predictive headlines about Trump staging a coup during the election started circulating. Now, this is very important. This is part of what I was just telling you about. But it was the buildup by the media as if they knew it was coming. Then, hey, Trump is about to do something crazy. Days and weeks leading up to this. They pounded that in people's heads. So once it happened, they already had the narrative. The average people that trust the news, that just watch the news and take it at face value, the narrative was already in their head. So it happens, and they just say to themselves, well, I knew it was coming. There's the coup. There's the coup they've been talking about. Headlines were predicting Trump plans a white supremacist coup against a Biden win. What the president is doing here is the most explicit that he has been about his plans for this election. He's plotting in open and public repeatedly a coup. Leftist organizers were planning their so-called counter coup against President Trump. How were they able to plan against a coup that hadn't happened yet? Based off of an election result that no one would have predicted, yet miraculously they knew which states were going to be contested. Wow. How pretty, amazing. Pretty amazing. How? Right. How amazing is that? They were able to predict the future. Now, a question you should be asking yourself, and I ask myself a lot of questions while watching this, and I hope this makes it to your phone or your tablet or your computer and it doesn't get yanked down. Why were there no Antifa, Black Lives Matter people there clashing with Trump supporters? Ask yourself that. There were, every time there is a gathering of Trump supporters, whether it's a rally, whether it's um, the uh, uh, event that... uh, Trump did at the White House where people like Rand Paul were attacked on their way out. Anytime pro-Trump people are gathered in one spot, Antifa always follows. Because the rule of thumb is if you're going to do a Trump thing and it's during the day at night, get in your hotel. 
Because at night, the Antifa people come out and they start burning down the city. Why at this very one, the most important of them all, where so many Trump supporters are there, why were there no Antifa people clashing with that group of Trump supporters? They just decided at the end of this thing that we're finally going to stop messing with people? Why weren't they there? You know exactly why they're not there. Because they were in the crowd pretending and posing as Trump supporters. That's why there were no Antifa Trump supporter clashes. Antifa was pretending to be them. It all makes sense. Once you start putting all these pieces together, you really understand what happens. And the forced narrative has been, it was Trump supporters, you can't question it. If you do, you're a crazy QAnon proud boy. You cannot question it. But the lack of questioning and the, uh, the, the insinuation that you cannot question something is the biggest reason you would want to question something. When the government and the media tells you you can't question it, there's no more important time to question it. Because they're hiding something. And they're hiding something big. The reason they're so adamant about hiding it is because they're involved with it. And they knew exactly what was coming. That's why CNN, remember on election night, we're like, well, Fox News is calling, calling states before CNN and MSNBC. That's crazy. Remember how mad everybody got at Fox News for that? Well, MSNBC and CNN, they didn't feel the need to call them yet because they knew what was coming. They knew what was going to happen. So they wanted to be able to sit back and say, well, Fox News called it first. So obviously, obviously Joe Biden's won. Obviously, we're not being biased in our election results because we waited. When in reality, they waited because they already knew the outcome. How did they get the precise election results they needed to match their predictive election response that they've been planning, practicing, and role-playing? As I've mentioned before, AFL-CIO whistleblowers provided sworn statements that union leadership mobilized union members at polling locations for the purpose of election working. Why were they sending it? Well, it's kind of obvious why they were sending it. It's election fraud. <laughs> the shadow campaign was so bold, they couldn't help but brag about it in a Time magazine article. The secret history of the shadow campaign that saved the 2020 election. And now she's getting into what happened leading up to the election. They recruited people to work the polls, to do all the shady business, and they had a very complex, vast plan to make sure the results turned out like they planned on them turning out. And they were so excited by the time it was over. They were so excited that they had pulled it off 
that they couldn't help but brag about it. Time Magazine, the secret history of the shadow campaign that saved the 2020 election. In their minds, they saved democracy. In their minds, they single-handedly saved America. Of course they're excited. Of course they're bragging about it. They just pulled off the unthinkable. They think they put the final nail in the coffin of Donald Trump. That's why. They love it. It's genius. It's a genius plan. It was a well-oiled machine funded by some very rich people. You know who I'm talking about. And put together by some very high-profile, influential people that all had one goal in mind, and that is putting that final nail in that coffin. That was the whole objective. We're going to put the the link to this video so you can see the full video uh, down in the description. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or uh, Spotify or anything, make sure you go over to the YouTube page and click on the description so you can get the link to that. We're not going to put any... Um, Anything about what the video is, we're just going to simply put the link because we're trying to subvert, you know, getting banned on YouTube because freedom of speech, man. Freedom to gather information. It's a weird thing. It's a weird, weird thing. Tomorrow, don't forget, over the, over the line, Friday Night Live, Andrew and Trish will be hanging out with you here on YouTube, so make sure you're subscribed, you hit the notification bell, and you know when we go live. It's usually between 7 and 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, so line up your time zone, figure out when that is, and keep an eye out, because we're going to have some fun. It's going to be fun. Until next time, see you, Coles!